and welcome to Talk to Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work to Be Well. Here with me today in person and virtually, we're finally back in person, are four members from our National Student Advisory Council to discuss the topic of social anxiety and its impact on individuals, relationships, and mental health in general. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Okay, let's get started. First talk to be well of the school year. And have you all introduce yourself, where you're from, why this topic is important to you. Mohammed, kick us off. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mohammed Shadid. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And this topic is important to me because I feel uh, social media has exacerbated um, how we feel about ourselves and our actions at every given moment. And I think it's important for people to realize if they do have social anxiety and what they can do to cope with it. JJ, how about you? Hi, my name is JJ. I'm calling from Santa Valley High School in Nevada. And uh, social anxiety is a topic that's important to me because I've definitely had my uh, bouts of social anxiety in the past, especially when I was younger and I've seen how like social anxiety affects other people as well. And it's really heartbreaking for me to see other people go through that. And that's why this topic is important to me. And Haley. Hi, everyone. My name is Haley, and I'm a junior from Shorewood High School in Shoreline, Washington. So this topic is important to me because I personally suffer from social anxiety, and I wasn't able to talk to anyone about it or receive the help and support I needed during my worst moments. So I hope to be able to spread more awareness on social anxiety and create more conversation around it. Awesome. And right here with me, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa Shafi. I am a senior at Bellevue High School in Washington State, and I'm really excited to help shed a light on this topic today because I think social anxiety is something that looks different for everybody. And as everybody goes back to school, it's something that has been on a lot of people's minds. I know it's been on my my mind a lot, and um, so I'm excited to talk about it. Well, I think you've all really set the stage for what social anxiety is. Give me some examples about how it manifests, because I imagine that it looks a little bit different for everybody. I think it can manifest in um, very simple ways, how your appearance walking, your smile, um, how you conduct certain actions such as eating, drinking. I think these are social, um, simple aspects that everyone has that people worry about um, a lot on a daily basis. Oh, absolutely. And I agree with all of those. And, you know, um, it also can manifest like physically as well. It's like, you know, it's like really like sweaty palms and stuff and um, like stuttering and like maybe like blushing, you know, and like, like really quick heart, like fast heartbeats and stuff like that. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. And kind of going off of what Mohammed said about being worried about like your appearance while walking. I mean, that's something that I've experienced, have heard a lot of people experience. I believe it's something called like the spotlight effect where like you'll be doing something like really simple, but then in your head, you're just like, oh, everyone's watching me do this. Um, And so I think that's something that like I personally experience in terms of social anxiety. And I think that's something a lot of people also experience as well. Yeah, I completely agree with what everyone has said. So just to add on to that, there's also this anxiety with like being judged by people. So just to give like an example, if you were to give like a presentation in front of a large group of people, for some, for like most people might feel that it's like normal to be 
quite nervous but for social anxiety you get really nervous like a long time before the presentation and your heart just mm -hmm. keeps beating really quickly and you feel like you might like break down sooner or later and so I think that's what is how social anxiety manifests. You know I think the clinical term for that is what we call awfulizing where we make something in our head a whole lot more awful than it actually turns out to be but that's a big driver of, of what you're talking about with social anxiety is that the thing we create in our head is, is the thing that really, um, you know, what we can dream up is a whole lot worse than what it really is. What are some misconceptions about social anxiety? What is it not? Well, first of all, it's not rare. Everyone at some point has varying degrees of social anxiety. Like Haley said before, speech that's a common anxiety for every student to have uh, public speaking. Also just in group settings, uh, there, there may be times where you feel uncomfortable um, out of place. So I think it can manifest in uh, very different ways and in simple actions too. So a most common misconception is that only a select few have it and that they have something wrong with them if they do have it. So another misconception that I can think of is that social anxiety is the same as being shy. So I feel that many people in some point in their lives, they do feel shy or afraid in some sort of social situation. But people with social anxiety, they experience anxiety that is out of proportion to the social situation. And they would try to go to great lengths to avoid participating in these social activities. So like, for example, they would avoid going to a party with a large group of people because it just makes them feel really nervous and it makes them uncomfortable. So it's not the same thing as being shy. All right, I agree with that too. And like to add on to that, and I feel like, you know, social anxiety can also like appear like when with people you're comfortable with too, like people you're familiar with, like just because, uh, you know, you know the other person that you may be talking to, you know, you might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable with them because of your social anxiety. And I feel like, yeah, a misconception is that like, you know, family and friends, like you're not going to experience it with them, but you absolutely can. Yeah, I really love what everyone was saying. And to kind of add on to what Haley was talking about, I feel that the term social anxiety is sometimes thrown around, thrown around a lot, similar to how the word anxiety typically is. Therefore, a lot of people kind of have like um, misconceptions or have interpreted a little bit differently. And definitely social anxiety is a lot more than just like the shyness you may feel before like talking to someone for the first time. It's definitely a more um, intense version of that. And so I think it's great that we're all here to like talk about the reality of it because that's definitely important. You know, and I really, I, I like that differential between what is shyness and what is social anxiety. And sometimes people use the word introvert and extrovert. And there's a lot of people who have extroverted traits who are also uh, suffer with social anxiety in certain situations. It's not, you know, there's not one, one way or the other. Um, is social anxiety something that you always have or can it like come in and out, be periodic and be situation dependent? I mean... What do y'all think? For me, I personally feel that social anxiety, it kind of depends on the stress level of the situation that you're in. So for example, if you were to be talking to a large group of people, you might not feel as much anxiety as you if you were talking to like, so to give like an example of numbers, if you were talking to like a group of five people, the amount of social like anxiety you might feel might be different from if you were talking to a group of, for example, like 50 plus people. So for me, I feel like it depends on the situation you're in and the amount of stress that you're feeling in that particular situation. Good call. 
Mohammed, how about you? I also think it depends on um, what's going on in your life at that time. If there's an event you're nervous for, um, like let's say it's in a week, you're going to have a um, constant level of certain level of social anxiety for that week up until that event. Um, but there are times when it can come and go, such as when you're in uh, social gatherings and interacting with people in large or small groups, as Haley mentioned. All right. Um, so I really like this question. And in my experience, I think it's something that is definitely experienced long term, but I think can become better or worse depending on the situation I'm, I'm, I'm about to encounter. Um, and I think that while social anxiety is called social anxiety, a lot of it, at least for me, is related to myself and how I'm doing mentally. For example, during weeks when I am at more peace with myself mentally, I find myself to have less social anxiety. Um, meanwhile, during weeks when I'm already distressed and just mentally not in a good place, my social anxiety seems to spike and I find myself wanting to isolate myself from everyone. And just the thought of having to be in a room with other people just makes me so tense and I want to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, and I absolutely agree with what you said. And uh, like I said, like I mentioned before, like I did you know, suffer from this more when I was younger. And now I'm here recording this podcast with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, and it's interesting, JJ, when you talk about suffering from it when you were younger. What, when you were younger and even now, what are some triggers that, that you recognize? Like, let's see. Like when I was, you know, I was always like, especially when I was like, um, maybe around sixty, like sixth grade, seventh grade. It's like I'm always afraid about people like talking about me. Number one, there was always there was kind of like a really toxic culture to begin with. And I feel like that kind of like influenced like my assumption in my head is like that must be everybody, you know, like everyone's must be talking, you know, mess behind my back or whatever. And I was always like kind of, kind of subconscious about how I always like how I looked and like I always wanted to, you know kind of like show up because I didn't want to be judged for, you know, for being whoever I wanted to be. And um, that's definitely like, you know, some of the stuff that I've noticed in myself suffering from the social anxiety. It's like, it was always me thinking about what other people thought. What are some other triggers that you all have experienced or, or have noticed either in yourself or in other people? I think taunting um, and bullying at a young age, um, if it's like, especially since most kids think of it as harmless, that can be a big one. You're more afraid to like uh, open up, interact with more people. And I also think like seeing um, family members and friends be afraid in a certain situation or uncomfortable, that can uh, affect you uh, as a young person as well and cause you to have um, social anxiety and similar events in the future. Um, I guess for specific triggers, I think for me, imposter syndrome and social anxiety is something that can go hand in hand sometimes. So for example, um, when I feel like I'm out of place in a room or just that I feel my mind is telling me that I don't belong here um, or just in any social situation, I begin to have this fear of like how I appear and uh, how others see me, how they perceive me. And so in those cases, my social anxiety really tends to spike and I just feel a lot of anxiety when I'm talking. Sometimes I won't talk. Um, so I think definitely when I'm in a case where I my imposter syndrome is spiked, then my social anxiety also tends to spike. For me, it would for me it's kind of an example that might be different from others, but for me, sometimes my social anxiety does spike when I want to use the bathroom because I get this fear that people might judge me for using the bathroom or might think why is this person using the bathroom so much? And sometimes I choose not to use the bathroom because I have this fear of what people might think or say about me. And to other people, it might just be like a normal thing 
to just go to the bathroom and do their business. But for me, it's something that I had to think about for a long time before I actually managed to do it. You know, that's not as uncommon as you think, Haley. There's a, there's a lot of um, shame, guilt, and other types of messages that go around and, and the anxiety of having to raise your hand in class and get a pass, things like that. That's a really anxious thing. And I, and I appreciate you bringing that up because that's a really anxiety provoking thing that, that especially uh, for a lot of kids, they learn in elementary school. It's like, well, you can't have the past now or you can have the past now. And just it's, yeah, those are some great triggers that you all have talked about. I also love Melissa, your conversation about imposter syndrome. Um, imposter syndrome is real and it's something that a lot of different people go through and that type of a trigger in there that, that brings that out. These are really great thoughts about triggers. And I'm thinking, you know, we've gone super duper far into what the pathology of social anxiety is. What do you do about it? I mean, if you've got social anxiety, what are, what's the first thing you should do? I mean, how do you talk about it? For me personally, I feel like the first thing you should do is to talk to someone that you can trust. So, trust so whether it's your parents or your friends or your teachers I think it's great to just find someone you trust and talk to them about how you feel because you can kind of get like a weight off your chest and it would be great to know that there's someone that's there to listen to you and to support you and you know that you can trust them to like tell them how you feel and that they won't judge you and they'll be supportive of you no matter what Um, for me, I definitely agree with what Haley was talking about. And um, I think something recently happened that um, I think kind of goes along with this topic. So right now, it's the beginning of the school year. A lot of kids are preparing for homecoming and all those events. Um, and so something that this year a lot of people are doing is kind of make big groups and everything, which you know involves interacting with a lot of people, a lot of people that I wouldn't know and things like that. Um, and so something that kind of has helped me recently kind of ease the stress of that is by going to my close friends and telling them that, you know, I think that being in such a big group that might make me uncomfortable. So if I act this way or act this way or do this, this is why. Um, I hope you understand. And by going to people who you trust, I definitely agree. It really does help lift a huge weight off your shoulders and really helps you enjoy yourself and know that you are surrounded by people who appreciate you and um, are always there for you no matter what. I also think it's important recognizing um, that you do have social anxiety, not being in denial about it or not being afraid to admit to it and trying to understand why you have it, um, what situations uh, trigger your social anxiety the most, what uh, social anxieties reduce it the most um, to see what, to see where you should um, interact most and where you're most comfortable interacting. And then obviously admitting uh, or speaking with other people about it, as Haley mentioned. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because I think social anxiety for, for people who really struggle with social anxiety, the pandemic was the ultimate in, yes, this is awesome. I don't have to face all those types of things. You know, I don't have to go out and be social. And then when all of a sudden we went, okay, now we're back to normal and we're going to do all the things again. And the, the homecoming example is a really great one. All these schools activities are back. I mean, for many of us, we're back at the school dances. We're back at the school, you know, assemblies. We're back in person for all of these things. And that just triggered a ton of social anxiety, even for people who probably had never experienced that before. 
Um, one of the things that I love about what we do here at Work To Be Well, we talk a lot about coping mechanisms. What are the practical things you do when you feel like you're either going to go into a situation? And, and I know we talked, talked around a little bit, but let's get more specific. What are some great coping mechanisms that you've used for, for social anxiety? Uh, controlling your breath and meditation is a great one uh, that I've used, especially too, when I feel myself getting anxious, um, I'm getting heated, um, like I'm about to boil over. Uh, it helps me like just slow my heart rate down, slow my breathing down, uh, assess the situation and figure out what the next uh, best steps are for me. For me, I would say journaling. I feel like journaling helps me to, gives me like a platform for me to write down how I feel and kind of like, like just now, like what I said, lifts the weight off my shoulder and makes me feel a lot more better and comfortable because I am writing my thoughts down so that they're not just stuck in my head and making me feel a lot more uncomfortable. So I feel like journaling is a really good way to help cope with social anxiety. Um, so for me, definitely I experienced a period of social anxiety um, after uh, the pandemic, pandemic and when we were transitioning from virtual learning to in-person learning. I remember that first week of coming back to in-person school, in my head I was like, I forgot kind of like who I was and kind of like how I present myself to other people because I was just not used to being around so many people at once. And so a way that I would kind of uh, cope with this was that I would definitely make sure to spend to um, take a lot of time to be with myself. So a way that I would do is with like spending time getting ready in the morning or spending time in the night, just kind of like decompressing, doing skincare routines, things like that. A lot of those really made me feel better because I was able to kind of decompress from the day and wind down because after being in a situation where you're around a lot of people and you're having to kind of, you know, force to be social and everything, it's nice to really take some time to be by yourself. And so that was a way that I kind of coped with uh, that transition. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I think like self-care, like treatment, super important, like just taking time, like with your spouse. What I like to do is like, you know, I like to work, work out, exercise, just kind of like blow off a little bit of steam, especially after like being stressed out and being in social situations like that, like exercising always kind of helped me go through that. And like another kind of like fun one for me, like I've always spending time alone. Like I'm a big like music person, like a big music nerd. Like <laughs> there's this one artist, uh, her name is uh, Bjork Bjork. Um, and she's like kind of like the epitome of like super weird music. And <laughs> she's kind of like listening to her a lot has kind of like helped me embrace kind of being weird too. And I was like, I stopped caring about what everyone else was thinking. I was just like, you know, just kind of go out there and kind of be, you know, whatever you want it to be. I, I love that. Music is a great one. Uh, I also love exercise in there because exercise is super important uh, for all types of anxieties. But with social anxiety, it's also really super helpful. Of course, you hit on my personal favorite. Um, I'm a, I'm a big one for for face masks and all those types of things that that like bring that sense of just grounding myself back in myself. There's nothing like a nice cooling face mask to ground yourself back in your in your body. But the things that we can do to ground ourselves back in our body are definitely things that uh, are helpful for social anxiety. And you know, this one's coming here. You've got a friend who you think has social anxiety. How do you start that conversation with that friend? Um, and how does that impact your relationship? 
Um, so one of the friends closest to me, actually, um, she experiences social anxiety. And um, I found that sometimes she may be uncomfortable with a certain idea or plan that we have, but she sometimes won't necessarily express it to me because she can be worried that she may let me down or that she's kind of like ruining the fun. But this could not be farther from the truth. And after learning this and after she's kind of like opened um, up about this to me, I've always made sure to encourage her to share her thoughts and to be honest with me and remind her that you know, I'll never judge. And because in every friendship, it's really important for both friends to have enough trust with each other to be honest and be real when they don't like um, something. And so that's really how I've helped out um, my friend with social anxiety. And she's also definitely done the same for me. And it definitely really does help out a lot. I think like just to add on to to that, I think another way to help a friend is to be patient whenever they're sharing with you their thoughts or their feelings, because they might have a lot to say about how they feel. Just try to get the to try to get the weight off their shoulders. And what you can do is try not to get frustrated with them or lose your temper around them because that might make them feel a lot more worse. And so basically they're talking to you because they trust you and they trust that you'll be able to support them and be there for them. So if you become frustrated with them or lose your temper, then they might lose the trust that they have in you and they might feel like there's no one there to support me and it might not really be helpful for them in a sense that they're trying to cope with social anxiety. Uh, I think it's also really important to just understand and listen at first and not try and go out and offer them a million different solutions all at once. Just try and understand where they're coming from. Try to have sympathy rather than empathy and be like, oh, I know what exactly what you're going through. I do that all the time. Because that, in a sense, invalidates their own uh, feelings and struggles. So just being sympathetic to what they're feeling, um, listening to them and understanding and supporting them and telling them that you're there for them if they ever need help or are looking for solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with like everyone, like everything that everyone has said. And, um, you know, I've been blessed to have you know, such a wonderful, uh, wonderful friends. These two friends, uh, love them. They're so amazing. I was able to like, like tell the truth to them, you know, and it was, I had, I put like my absolute trust in them and everything. And they were just so, um, understanding, compassionate. They were very patient with me. And I was just so, um just so beyond grateful for that and um i feel like like the most important like hurdle is just kind of just getting that conversation out in the first place like just kind of opening about it in the beginning it's like about your social anxiety and it's like you know try to help them understand because maybe they might not understand at first but i think that you know we can kind of bond through that kind of you know that learning curve and that you know that strengthens strengthens that union between between us you know, and it's interesting because there's there's like this balance, um, you know, especially when you've got friends who understand that you've got social anxiety. There's this balance of when is it appropriate to kind of hang back and, and not succumb to the pressure to go do something you may not want to do? And when do you know that you actually need to push yourself and stretch out and maybe push your boundary a little bit, especially if you were with people you trust? How do you manage that? I think it's involves understanding your own values um, and being in, in your own values and boundaries and staying true to them, uh, not trying to do something that causes you harm or uh, severe d- discomfort. But then again, it there are benefits to going out of your co- uh, comfort zone, may help uh, you support your friends even more, uh, may help you understand a different viewpoint. Uh, these are some examples of more passive ways of going out of your comfort zone, which won't really um, affect you that much. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You definitely don't want to push yourself out like so far that like, you know, you just completely break. And I think that like going out, going out, going like just little by little definitely is like, you know, how I would go about it. Yeah, I really agree with what um, both Mohammed and JJ were talking about, um, especially with the idea and concept of setting boundaries. Um, I really think that's important to making sure that you're prioritizing yourself and your um, your own mental health while also, you know, trying to be there for your friends and be a good friend and still have fun, especially, you know, we're teenagers, so it's important to kind of go out and try new things sometimes. Um, for me, kind of like a boundary that I usually set for myself is that um, I usually will hang out with um, friends or just like do something a little bit out of my comfort zone pretty periodically and kind of have mm -hmm. a couple of days, um, I guess, rest, if you will, where I will really spend time with myself, make sure that I'm putting myself first those days. And that really helps me to not really drain my social battery and to have this good balance of being with myself and also surrounding myself with others. Yeah, I completely agree. For me, I would say that I try to stretch myself out of my comfort zone only on days where I feel like I'm mentally prepared and ready for it. Because I feel like if I choose to do it on a day where I'm not ready for it, it might just make me feel a lot more worse. And, and I don't really want that to happen to me. And I so I guess just trying to push yourself on days where you're ready for it is the way to go. I love that concept of the balance of self-care. Because you've all talked a lot about about different ways of taking care of yourself in this and making sure that you've I like the concept of recharging your social battery. That's something that that is a really difficult thing to maintain. Um, I do a lot of conference speaking and stuff like that. And and I know for me, I'll go out and I'll be on all day long. And at the end of the night, people will be like, hey, you want to come join us for dinner? You want to come do that? And it's like, you know, I actually really just need a little bit of time to recharge my own social battery because I know I have to come out tomorrow and do this all again. Uh, it's rough and it's really rough. What other kind of practices um, or routines do you have that help you manage social anxiety that you might, you know, want to share with our, our listeners to see if that's something they can adopt? For me, I do have a practice of doing a 10-minute meditation session every morning. There's a lot of videos on the internet, like YouTube, that have free like guided meditation stuff. And so I feel like these are really useful resources. They're free resources that have been really beneficial to me in helping me cope with my social anxiety. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. What else? Um, so for me, uh, prior to this summer, I was probably the least enthusiastic person, person about nature, like ever. Every time someone would be like, Melissa, let's go on a hike, I would be like, oh, I don't really want to. But this summer, I started taking walks and just in my neighborhood, like every night. And they were just some of the highlights of my summer. I would look forward to them every day. I mean, there was just nothing better than just walking in my neighborhood, surrounding myself with nature and like looking at the sunset and listening to my favorite music while doing it. It was just so relaxing. And again, it was just a whole idea of like spending time with myself and really um, and also kind of thinking about like what I'm grateful for. Like I'm grateful that I'm able to do this during my day. I'm grateful that I have a body that's able to help me do this and things like that. Um, and so that really helps um, take away the stress that sometimes comes with social anxiety and things like that. I also think trying to do uh, things once a month, uh, like going somewhere you want to go or hanging out with people who you want to go like once or a couple of times a month, or even if you don't like, if you're more introverted, having a day set to yourself where you just watch movies 
um, TV shows, just a day to yourself, doing something that you truly want to do, not um, reluctantly going to a social gathering that someone invited you to or hanging out with someone that you don't really want to. Uh, one thing I like to do, and I do it all the time, it's like that square breathing technique on the, the work to be well Instagram that I, you know, that's how I learned about it was through work to be well. And I, you know, practice it all the time, like, you know, I'm by, by myself and in public as well. And I think that helps me really, really help me calm me down, especially in the times that I need it. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. I I do that one. That's one of my go-tos. I, I do that one. And then I do the uh, 7-Eleven breathing one is an easy one, too. Uh, that are just kind of those things that in the moment I'm Haley, I'm jealous of your 10 minute meditation routine that takes commitment and the bonus benefits off that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really awesome. So as we begin to wrap up our time together, um, we're going to have people listening who experience social anxiety and let's just round Robin around the room. Um, what do you want to say to somebody who's just, they're listening to this because they struggle. What do you want to say to them? Who wants to kick us off? I think the biggest thing um, for them to realize is that they're not alone. Um, they're not strange for having social anxiety. It's a perfectly natural phenomenon that everyone experiences in some form. Uh, there are so many resources out there for them to use to help reduce some of their social anxiety and to help them be more relaxed. The internet's full of them. Uh, Haley mentioned on YouTube, there's meditation videos. Nature's at your disposal, as Melissa mentioned. Um, there's so many things you can do to help reduce it. So don't feel like you're stuck and trapped in, um, under social anxiety. There are ways to overcome it. Awesome. JJ. All right. Uh, one thing I definitely like wanted to like let everyone know is like you're loved, you know, and you're definitely, you're all like amazing and beautiful and made like gorgeous in like, your own way. And, you know, um, a lot of the, the majority of people out there, they're not judging you for the most part, you know, they're not judging you. And I think, you know, um, kind of quell that anxiety in the back of your head. And it's like, that's definitely something I want to let everyone know. Such so you all are amazing. And if, you know, if they are, are judging you, you know, then they're irrelevant. You know, <laughs> they're irrelevant. They're... So uh, that's what I want to let everyone know. Yeah. Haley. Yeah, I completely agree. I just wanted to say that never have to feel like you're alone because I'm here to support you and we are here to support you. And I'm really, really sure there's so many people out there who are here to support you too. And there's so many resources online, on the internet, on YouTube to help you and never have to feel like you're alone. Melissa, you get the last word. (laughs) Um, I would say to someone who experiences social anxiety that I think we live in a world where we're kind of encouraged all the time or sometimes even it feels forced that we always have to be social. Um, and it's not always easy to, and it, a lot of it sometimes feels like it's out of our control. Like we always have to go or we always have to be social, even when we don't want to. So I would encourage all of you to remember that you are all in, in control of your own lives. So if there's one day where you just need to spend time with yourself that night, just maybe sit down, watch your favorite comfort show on Netflix, comfort movie, whatever it is, feel free to do that because it's your life and you're in power of it. So do what makes you truly happy and whatever society tells you to do, let go of that for a while because you are the most important person. Well, I want to thank you all for being brave and joining me on the first talk to be well of the 2022-2023 school year. I am so excited. Uh, We've got some amazing OG NSAC members 
and some new NSEC members who really just jumped right into this topic about social anxiety with a lot of really, really great information. If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please check us out at providence.org. And for parents, teachers, students, youth group leaders, anybody out there at all, you want more information about Work to Be Well, check us out at worktobewell.org. That's work, the number two, bewell.org. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, and this is Talk to Be Well. Thanks for joining us and be well. <laughs>